You know, Jurgen and I were talking, I think it was in April of last year, we were at a meeting with some pastors and it, it made national news uh, that we determined we were going to open. And everyone in that room had decided a different agenda in terms of their timing. And we said in April, we said, we're going to open on Pentecost Sunday in May. And we're not going to look back. We're just going to keep moving forward. And regardless what that costs. And the reason is because there's two big issues. Number one, it's called the Bible. And Caesar is not God. And number two, it's called the Constitution. And we just believe both those things are true. And honestly, we really didn't know what would happen. We didn't know the consequences, just like you didn't. And, and uh, the reaction that people would have and, and all the things that happened. But, but, you know, God made it better for us as a church. Our church is better because of it. And I would guess maybe 30% of the people haven't come back, probably never will. But they were replaced with about another 60%. You know, and, and I wish well on everyone, but um, I was in an interview with the Epoch Times. It was probably about June of last year. And they asked me the question, uh, kind of the pre-interview questions were, have you, do you have any experience in communist countries? I said, yeah, my wife and I smuggled Bibles into Romania back in the day. We were there during the Six-Day War. Um, we were uh, going into El Salvador preaching and during that rise up of that communist uh, party, FMLN. And uh, we, we saw a lot of things. And then he said, okay, great. And then I didn't know what that was about. Then he asked me this question in the interview. He said, what are the parallels between communism uh, in China and the church and what's happening in the church today in America? And I said, well, I mean, you know it better than I do because you have the state church and you have the underground church. And then without thinking, uh, these words came out of my mouth, that in America, what we're seeing is the, the believing church, are you ready for this, and the conforming church. And people say, well, don't you think the churches should all get together? And absolutely not. That's called ecumenicalism. When you have that many things in common, you have no distinctions. Now, let me tell you what does happen. In a revival, it breaks down barriers to where commonality becomes a movement of the Holy Spirit. That's the good thing. Amen? And so I've really seen it play out, and I, I think I could count on one hand the number of churches in Orange County that I knew of that opened during the pandemic. And, that's, and it's, there's a lot of churches and a lot of megachurches in Orange County. And, and I'm, not, I'm not here to judge anyone's decision as a pastor. I'm just telling you, I'm glad we did what we did. Our people are glad they did what they did. And I'm glad that you guys did what you did and stood in the midst of all of this. And guess what? In the end, who ended up being right? God? Constitution. Amen? So thank you for letting me be here with you today. Um, we're going to talk about a one-world government and the return of Christ. Is that a good combo? There was a guy named John Calvin. He was French, and he was a reformer, but he was also a theologian. And I really believe that God is going to call some people out of this room to be reformers. I believe your church is a reformer kind of church, not to mention just a revival church, too. We want revival, but if you don't have reformation, the revival doesn't last. 
So John Calvin was uh, at one time one of the highest paid people in all of Europe, and he was a theologian, but he was a reformer. So Geneva was at the crossroads of a, tra- uh, of a trade intersection there in Europe, and it was really uh, an encampment of thieves and uh, murders, and it was total chaos because of all the goods that were being transferred, then it made it an easy target for robbery and murder. And they asked Calvin, would you come to Geneva and help straighten it out? Now remember, this is a preacher, theologian. We want you to straighten out our city because it's in chaos. Got it? So he goes in there and he spends a little bit of time and gets a lot of things in order and then uh, leaves because he wants to go back and he's doing some other work. And a few years past, they said, you know, it, it wasn't enough. Will you come back? And this is when he became the highest paid man in Europe. And he said, I will come back, but you have to do everything I ask you to do. He said, okay, we'll do that. So he established something that was really interesting with the church bell. Whenever the church bell went off on a Sunday morning, one member of your family had to be in church so they could go back and tell the rest of the family. And if you did not have one member of your family in church, then the head of the household was arrested. It worked. You laugh, so that's not fair. No, it worked. Because you know what happened was, one would come back and go, you know what I learned? This is what I learned. This is what God's doing. This is what happened. And then that began to spread. Then he also instituted the banking system we use today, the school system we use today. I mean, it's amazing what this man did, and he radically transformed Geneva into the world-class, clean, safe city that it is today. That's what Reformation is. You see, I really believe that there are reformers that are just waiting to be pushed. I'm giving you permission today to be a reformer. Go do something to change the world. Now, that may seem like, how do you change the world? You change the world one idea at a time, one person at a time. So we're in the middle of this pandemic, and I just, I don't know about you, I just got mad. Anybody get mad? I got mad at what I thought was being shoveled in my face. And I thought, I just don't know what to do. So we started something uh, called American Faith, and it's a news media network. We've got a QR code up here. You can go ahead and just uh, take a a picture of that, and you can go on the site right now. And we didn't really know what we were doing. Now we have a team of 20 that work on American Faith. Um, It's amazing what's happened since April. We've gone from basically no views on our website, and now we're getting... 1.9 million views per month, and it's growing at at a rate of 200,000 per month. And what's what's really interesting about it is that it's it's there's a paper in Orange County that's actually owned by the LA Times, and it's it used to be kind of conservative, but it's really gone south. It's called the Orange County Register, and uh, by January we will be larger than the Orange County Register. We have a mailing list of 1.2 million emails, and it's, it's really amazing. You know what it is? It's Reformation, because you said, was it a Christian site? No. It's a, it's a news site run by Christians with a Christian worldview that tries to provide you news that you can trust. That's what it is. You see, a lot of people think about, if I ask you this question, what's the wealthiest place on earth? You might go to the oil fields or the diamond fields. You might find some place, and you'd say, that's the wealthiest place. And you'd be wrong. The wealthiest place on earth is the local cemetery. Because that's where dreams went to die. 
That's where the cure of cancer or something else went to die because they had an idea, but they didn't walk through and push it into the future. You see, faith is something you throw out in the future and you walk into what you're believing God for. And if, you don't, if you're not always throwing out in the future what you want to see, then you're going to be walking in despair. And you're going to be cursing the very ground you walk on. What you want to do is you want to bless the land you're going to walk on by throwing it forward, always forward, always forward, and just saying, I'm going to dream some great dreams because God is a creator God and he created me to be creative. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, so a few years ago, I was asked to be the prophecy, biblical prophecy expert on the History Channel. And they had quantum physics guys, they had astrophysicists, they had all kinds of different, you know, people of specialties, and, and so they wanted me to talk about the book of Revelation. So I just walked through basically the book of Revelation, and by the time I got done, the producer's face was, you know, kind of had lost all blood flow, and, uh, and I, we overheard a couple of the guys at the water fountain say, well, what do you think about that preacher? And they said, he scared the something out of me, and I won't repeat that word, but um, but anyway, when I got done, he said to me, okay, you've done all that. What scares you? What keeps you up at night? It's a great question, right? And I said, without even thinking, when lawlessness marches down Main Street unabated. I got a call from uh, my literary agent, and she said, have you got any book ideas? And I said, I do. I've got a book that I want to do on lawlessness. This was before last year. And the book is called One Nation Without Law. Uh, we brought some of those with us. I don't know if there's any left, but um, it really is built around the idea of lawlessness. You see, the, the coming Antichrist is called the man of lawlessness. And the characteristic that will happen in the last days is lawlessness. And we're living in this day. Now, I want, I want to put some of you at ease because I know some of you are going, I hate this stuff about end times and revelation and end of the world and mark of the beast and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's in the Bible. You don't want to have a Bible that's only half open, right? Amen? You want to read it all. But here's the, here's the assurance I want to give you. God always protects his people. Whether it was Noah and the eight in the ark whether it was Israel going through the wilderness for 40 years, wherever it might be, God has not destined us unto wrath, but unto salvation and unto his glory. You know, you've got to lock that into your heart. When I studied at Oxford, uh, my professor was a former uh, head of the biological warfare department at, uh, uh, for the Royal Air Force. And he would tell me some things, you know, that like, holy cow kind of thing, you know? And, um, and I said, Kerr, his name was Dr. Kerr, he said, Kerr, how do you sleep at night knowing what you know? He said, it's simple. I believe in a sovereign God. Can I just tell you your fears will increase as you diminish God in your life? You increase God, your fears will go away. So check yourself when you're afraid, where's my, how am I, What's my view of God? Where am I putting God in my life today? And just elevate God. Just elevate God in your life. Do you know that the brain center, the speech center of your brain is tied to your nervous system? And if you say these words, even if you don't mean them, I'm afraid, your nerves go, oh, we don't know if he's kidding or not. So our whole body tenses up. Why do you think the Bible says the words of your mouth are either life or their death? Well, it's because of the way you're physically built. 
It's not just a spiritual principle. It's a part of the physical nature of mankind. Amen? So speak life. Speak courage. Do all those things. I mean, look, what does it say up here? Fearless? Be fearless. Amen? All right, let's jump into uh, our message for today. Uh, let's talk about globalism. And globalism is something that sounds good if you're buying something on Amazon. Right? Because you can buy some really cool stuff for really a little bit of money. Now, they've kind of learned that people are hooked. And now, have you noticed the prices are going up? Well, that's what globalism does. It absolutely is in, in charge of controlling your life. That's what it does. Make you dependent. So I got to get it to my door. I to get in my car and drive down there? I can't do that. And I can't do it now because gas is $5 a gallon. And I, I saw one place up in uh, North California. It's hit the new high, $7.49 a gallon. That's intentional, everyone. That's a globalist agenda. We're going to talk about that. Well, what globalism does is it brings people of the earth together to control them under a one-world government with a few powerful people in charge. Globalism opposes nationalism, national sovereignty, and self-governance. Nationalism promotes the interest of a nation's sovereignty over, uh, uh, in favor of its homeland. So whenever you say, why, are, why is there not more work being done either on the immigration side or on the border control side is because globalism says, let's break down every border. That's what globalism does, okay? Because nations aren't important. Constitutions aren't important. If you go to the National Archives, you type in, you want to read the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence before you can see it on the National Archives, it has a warning. This might be dangerous. That's our Constitution, our National Archives that we pay for with our tax dollars. That's happening today. So people say, well, this one world government thing, isn't that like a conspiracy theory? Well, let me just put it this way. If you go back in the book of Genesis chapter 10, you encounter a man by the name of Nimrod. And Nimrod was the one behind the Tower of Babel. And he started the first human kingdom called Babylon. Now, Babylon runs from chapter 10 all the way through chapter 18 of the book of Revelation. It's not just a geographical location. It's called Mystery Babylon, the Great Whore, in the book of Revelation. Because it dominates the thinking of mankind and brings under control this intention that Nimrod had that runs all the way through scriptures and you'll see it moving down through the word. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm not really into politics. And Well, then you don't know the Bible. It's the most political book on planet Earth. Whether it's God warning Israel, don't get a king because they're going to tax you, take all your kids and, and send them to war, or whether it's Nebuchadnezzar or in Babylon, or whether it's a Syrian empire, or whether it's uh, Greece, or whether it's Rome, whatever it is, they're always contending. God's people are always contending with the government of the day. Governments don't leave you alone because you love Jesus. They hate you because you love Jesus, all right? And so what we have to understand is globalism is not a conspiracy theory. It comes from the Word of God. Its aim is a borderless world, and it requires conformity on every level. And as we said earlier, it's predicted in the word of God. Now, there's a guy named Klaus Schwab. Can you say Klaus? Klaus Schwab. And he's written a book called The Great Reset. And The Great Reset uses phrase like build back better. Yes, that comes from Klaus Schwab, not from the Democratic Party. And he wrote a book 
the Great Reset, let me just quote something. Every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil, gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a Great Reset of capitalism. So the aim of the Great Reset is to eliminate capitalism. Why? Well, because you see, in socialism slash communism, what you have is you have the elimination of the middle class. Because the middle class is largely independent. Many, many small business owners are in that, that category. All right? They're not the super rich. They're not the super poor. They're in that category of middle class. They're typically family-oriented. They typically are more conservative. So what you have to do is you have to eliminate the middle class. Did you find it odd that Target was open during the pandemic, but the little store next door had to be closed? Now, they didn't sanction off and say you can't buy clothes in Target. You can buy anything you want in Target. I checked it out on any given time, according to a stat I read online. At any given time in a Target, there was five to 600 people in that store. You know what that means? That means there's impossible to social distance in a Target, right? But next door, the little store is going out of business. Why are the big boxes staying in business? Because the agenda is socialism, eliminate middle class. So now you go down, you've got the elite and you've got the proletariat. You've got the, you've got the common man down here. They're just working. And guess what? We're going to pay you what you want. So we're going we're gonna to create something called, you know, kind of like everybody gets paid the same, Right? Why do you think they're doing that? Because there's a socialistic agenda going on in our world today. So the one world government, convergence of financial tech, pharma, and military intelligence is happening. If we had time, we'd go into the three city-states. That's London Incorporated, Rome, and Washington, D.C. There's only three city-states. They all operate with their own constitutions and laws. That's why those who, who crash through the... Uh, White House on, on the 6th are still in jail without due process because they don't have to. All three of those have something in common. They have an Egyptian obelisk. You recognize it as the Washington Monument. Same thing happens in in middle of Vatican, and same thing happened in London Incorporated. Well, what's going on here? Well, there's more than meets the eye. A global policy of coordination is being engineered by private central banks. We see it every day. There's an aggressive worldwide push for the vaccine passport. You see, it would see. I had uh, my wife and I both had COVID in January, and with with antibodies in my system, you would think you need uh, the vaccine or you need antibodies. No, but that's not conformity. You see, that's independence. So conformity says everybody has to get it regardless, even though those countries with the highest vaccination rate have high cases of COVID. And I'm not, I'm not here, I'm not here to, to be pro or against the vaccine. That's not my purpose. I'm just saying I believe in freedom. I believe you want the vaccine, get the vaccine. You don't want the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. That's all. A surveillance-driven totalitarian system exists. If you're in uh, London, if you're walking the streets of London, there's an average of 150 cameras that are on every single person all day long. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that we need that much surveillance. Something is going on here that is beyond what we can imagine. Paul Henry Speck was the first uh, president of the United Nations, and this is what he wrote. We do not want another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all the people and to lift us up out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, whether he be God or devil, and we will receive him. See, this is the heartbeat that's behind the scenes here. 
Tyranny describes the arbitrary, unrestrained exercise of power or authority. That's what tyranny is. That's what we experienced when our governor made mandates that c- controlled people. For just, just take church. You can't go to church. You can't worship. You can't do this. You can't do that. But you can ram into Target. That's a mandate. That's tyranny is what that is. Quarantine took place. Quarantine is when you restrict the movement of sick people. Tyranny is when you restrict the movement of healthy people. I grew up on Army bases. My dad was, uh, was a colonel in the Army, and I can remember being on the Army base as a, as a kid, and there were people with tuberculosis. They had a mask on. Nobody got tuberculosis. Isn't that interesting, right? I didn't have to wear a mask. Why didn't I have to wear a mask? He's got tuberculosis. I'm walking up and down the same street with this guy. Because they understood something. They weren't about control in that moment. You know, um, our, our family comes from a, from a big military and historical family in terms of this nation. Uh, my ninth great-great-grandfather was William Brewster, who wrote the Mayflower Compact, was on the, on the, on the uh, uh, Mayflower when it came over here to America. And then we've got other relatives that fought in the Revolutionary War under Washington, and the history goes on. Uh, my dad retired uh, colonel from the Army and is buried at Arlington with full military honors. So I love this nation, but I love the Word of God more. Amen? Never put your, never put your nation before your God but put your nation in proper perspective under your God. Amen? America's at a watershed moment. I think we all feel it. We all know it. There's something that needs to shift. Uh, The very words written in our Constitution are being challenged by those who promise a brighter future without the rule of God, without the rule of law, without God, or without truth. Revelation chapter 13, verse 2. We're going to jump into the book of Revelation. It's a great book. Some of you say, I'm not reading that book. That one's scary. Uh, Let me make it easy for you. The first five chapters uh, are all about the seven churches and they're very, you know, kind of encouraging. Chapter six starts the tribulation. It goes through chapter 19. If you pick up, if you just read the first five chapters and jump to chapter 19, verse 11, the second coming of Christ, and then you can get the great white throne judgment, knock that one out. Then you go into eternity and it's all good. How's that? All right. But here's what makes it unusual. It's the only book in the Bible that promises that you're blessed if you read it or if you hear it being read. You don't even have to understand. It doesn't say, blessed are those who understand the book of the Revelation. Well, nobody would get blessed because half the time we go, I don't know what's happening here. There's bowls and lightnings and strange creatures coming out of nowhere. What is going on here? Well, it's apocalyptic literature. It's, it's written in a way to shade that only to help those who understand the word to get in deeper with it. When, when uh, Jesus was talking to the disciples in uh, Matthew 13, for the first time he started using parables. And they were so shocked because they didn't ever hear him speak in parables. He said, why do you speak to us in parables? And by the way, he does seven kingdom parables in chapter 13. He said, because it's for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, the initiated, the kingdom followers, right, the faithful. But for them, it is not given for them to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So God has a mystery for you to understand when you read the Word of God. So when you read the Word of God, it's not just a book. It's a living, breathing breath of God. And when you read it, you're encountering God. Amen? All right, Revelation 13. Now the beast, which is the Antichrist, which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. His mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon, that is Satan, 
gave him his, his power, his throne, and his great authority. So you'll notice here, this is a setup. So the beast, the Antichrist, is being empowered by Satan himself, and this is going to, his, his goal is to set up this one world government at the end of the age. You see, when is this going to happen? Tomorrow? I don't know. How's that for an answer? Right? How, how about it could be a thousand years from today? That, that doesn't change the fact that we have to live in the urgency of the hour, loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen? Focus on the main thing. Understand the times that you're living in. In Revelation chapter 13, it goes on to say, He, the Antichrist, causes all, both great and rich, poor and free, and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except he has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So it's one of these three things. I believe these are actually describing three different economic stratas that are going to exist within a one-world government. So there, you'll have the, you know, the average, you'll have the, the person that's more privileged, and then you'll have the elite. I believe that's what's, what it's talking about here. Don't quote me on that. I'm just speculating. But it says here's wisdom. How many of you want wisdom? You know, what? You know I got good news. It's free. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who freely gives without reproach. In other words, he's not going to say, oh, only you get wisdom, only you get wisdom. He said, but don't be a doubter. Don't be like, you know, the waves that are tossed to and fro by the wind. No, be stable in all your ways. You can get the wisdom of God. I get the mind of God. That's why the Bible says we have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. It's full in the word of God. He goes on to say, here's wisdom. Let whom has understanding calculate the number of the beast." It is a number of a man. His number is 666. So what happens in Scripture is, uh, in, in Hebrew numerology, numbers are always significant. For example, the number eight is significant. It's a number of new beginnings. That's why a child is circumcised on the eighth day. That's why uh, David was the eighth son of Jesse. Uh, that's why it's just a new beginnings. So seven is a number of completion. It's a, it's a combination of all things God has made on earth and the Trinity. But six is one short. When he puts it three times, he's trying to emphasize something here. This is man as far away from God as he can possibly get. That's what it's all about, okay? All right, are you ready? Ready to go a little deeper? Cryptocurrency system using body activity data. What? What? All right, let's get into it. A digital currency is a medium of exchange designed to allow instantaneous transactions and borderless transfer of ownership. Now, I don't know about you. Anybody ever lost their wallet? Any guy ever lost his wallet? I mean, we lose our wallets all the time, right? The keys are the worst, but the wallets, they go too. Have you ever thought, wouldn't it be nice if I could just like scan my hand over something or, you know, just speak a voice in there? Well, it would be unless it's tied to your DNA and it's part of cryptocurrency. You say, this is, this is Twilight Zone stuff, right? All right, let me preface this next slide by saying the former undersecretary of the U.S. Patent Office is a member of our church. I passed this by him before I ever did anything with it, and I said, is this a legitimate application for the U.S. Patent Office? Not a patent approved yet. And he said, it is. Okay, now let's look at it. Now, here's a couple of interesting things here. Publication number, all right, it came out in 2020, but notice that the publication, it's probably just accidental. It's 060606. I know it's an accident. They didn't really do that. I mean, the next guy got, you know, 060607. Hmm, maybe not. Then I looked down below and I saw Microsoft Technology Licensing, which is Bill Gates. Well, you know, Bill's been up to some shady stuff in his life. So I, I said to my friend, I said, well, 
what do you really think? And he says, well, knowing Bill Gates the way I do, he said, that doesn't surprise me at all. And so what I read to you is really the, the description of this, and it talks about human act body activity associated with a task provided a user may be used in a mining process of cryptocurrency system. A server may provide, so you've, you're hooked up to a system, and that system is running through your body, your DNA, and it's, it's uh, creating a transactional uh, uh, sale that's going on through your physical body. Well, that sounds like prophecy. You know, when you read the Bible, sometimes you go, these guys are crazy. Look what they're thinking. You know, um, like it says uh, uh, in the book of Revelation, chapter 16 of China, it says China will have, the kings of the east will have an army of 300 million men, right? Well, when John wrote that, there was only 100 million people on planet Earth. All right, no, no, so think about that. So he says uh, uh, an army three times the population of planet Earth will come, and they will march through Israel. They'll go into the Battle of Armageddon. Well, Time Magazine helps it out because in 1963, I believe it was, um, they published an article called uh, stating that China at that point, 1963, had a standing army and militia of 300 million men. See, John knew something. He knew it by revelation. Didn't know it by investigation. He knew it by revelation. Let's go. Let's understand prophecy. Matthew chapter 24 and verses 3 and 4. And by the way, we're going to end on a really high note. So if you're like going, you know, you know I don't know about you, but I hate myself right now. I, <laughs> we will get you back in love with you, okay? It's going to get better, all right? We got It's like the doctor's going to hurt for a little bit, but it's going to get better, okay? Matthew 24, 3 and 4. He said on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, they asked the same questions we're asking. They said, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So Jesus talked more about uh, this, the return of Christ and about the second coming that he ever did about heaven, that he ever did about salvation. Why? Because it was important. Because he knew that there's going to be future generations going to encounter this. And Jesus answered said, take heed, let no one deceive you. Now, it's interesting that he doesn't tell him to dig into the subject. He says, your first order of business is do not let deception take you. So the first thing you do is not, I got to start reading the book of Revelation. No, the first thing you do is you prepare yourself so you don't get deceived by some false teacher, some false prophet, by some crazy emotion going on in your life. You say, I want to be protected. I want to be secure in the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God. Amen. Luke 21, verses 25 through 26, um, it says, On earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So one of the marks, he says here, is that there's going to be distress in nations. There's going to be perplexity. Now, we could say that probably has been happening in a lot of generations. If you were living in the great plague of, uh, of Europe in 1300s, you would say this is the end of the world. So I want to be careful. You don't base um, some things on just bad events or circumstances that are happening in your life. You've got to take the whole picture of what the Word of God's saying. We know that when Israel became a nation in 1948, it started a prophetic clock. It's very clear. Uh, can a nation be born in a day? Isaiah 66, it tells us. So we know that there's, we're living in last days. We're living in the future of what God has spoken of in Scripture. All right. So let's take a uh, take a look at the chart, and maybe this will help a little bit, put things in, in order. Um, I've got like eight minutes, so I'll be speaking at about 220 words a minute, moving from this point on. Okay, the great falling away. This is where the church, a lot of people say, I'm a Christian. 
And they, next thing you know, they're denying the faith. People come to me all the time and say, well, they used to be a Christian. I said, no, they never were. Okay, they never were. Uh, great falling away, you're going to see this in mass. You're going to see a lot of people toward the end of the age, they're going to just walk away um, because they say, I don't need church, don't need God, I'm a Christian, or whatever they want to say. Rapture of the church is the taking away of true believers um, who love God, know God, been saved. At that point, we see the Holy Spirit departs. If you want to, I'd really encourage you to read 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. It's a powerful, deals with all this stuff. Holy Spirit departs, so the, he's called the restrainer. So the restrainer's gone. You see, you are a restrainer, and the Holy Spirit's in you as a restrainer, right? So we're, we're, like, we're like preservatives against evil in our world, right? We bring goodness in. You think you're not making a difference. You are more than you know. You're making a huge difference. And then that begins a tribulation period. Uh, it's seven years long. Uh, halfway through it, it's called the Great Tribulation, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21. That is also uh, synonymous with the timing of Revelation chapter 13, the mark of the beast. That's where he imposes this mark. Nobody can buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast. Moving down to the Battle of Armageddon, uh, that's where the kings of the east referred to, the 200 million army. I think I said 300. I apologize. I misquoted. Uh, by 100 million. You know, my numbers are close, just off 100 million. Um, and, and then uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we should all love the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so let's understand destiny. Understand destiny. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And in those days, um, uh, of those days, the kings of, uh, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Can you say amen to that? Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand, how long? Say it with me. Forever, amen, forever and forever. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before the throne. You say, what is that? Read uh, Isaiah chapter 11, you'll know. Uh, the seven spirits who are before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over all, all, all the kings of the earth, amen, over all the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad from our... Uh, with his in his own blood and made us kings and priests of his God and Father. To him be the glory, the dominion forever. Amen. Behold, he said, I'm coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. The dead are going to see him. Those living are going to see him. From day one, they're going to see him come back in all of his glory. And it says, and the tribes of the earth were mourned because of him, even so, amen. He said, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, the first, last letters of the Greek alphabet. I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Now let me just read this from chapter 19 of Revelation. Now John said, I saw heaven opened. It only opens two times, here and in chapter 4. Chapter 4 is when the rapture takes place, chapter 19 is when we return with him. Look what it says. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and him who sat upon it is called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head were, uh, were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And, in, and the armies of heaven, clothed in fight, fine linen, 
white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. With it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule with a rod of iron and tread upon the winepress press of the fierceness of the wrath of God Almighty. And he has on his robe and on his thigh name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The greatest words of encouragement in the word of God is that you're not alone and you're not forgotten. And he's coming back for his bride. You know, everything you do on planet Earth right now is laying up for you, according to Ephesians, a, an eternal weight of glory. When the disciples wanted to sit on one on his right and one on his left, he said, these are not mine to give, but they will be given. There's going to be some choice seats for some choice saints. What you do when you lay up treasure in heaven, as your pastor so well said, as you lay up treasure in heaven, it's a bank account you will draw from in eternity. When people say, I just want to get to heaven, then you're missing the whole point. You think this is all God has? Revelation says, and worlds to come. God is still making worlds. See, God said that 2,000 years ago. Scientists are going, you know, I believe there's still worlds being made out there. Yeah, no, that's 2,000 years, you know, old news. What do you think he's going to do with those? The Bible says we're going to judge the angels. You're not going to fly around, you know, chubby with a little harp. Hey, you know, I do have a theory, though. I, I have a theory because I, I, I'm a man of more substance than many skinny people. And the Bible says, if first shall be last, last shall be first. So my theory is all the skinny people in heaven are going to be fat. How do you like that one, huh? Skinny people have walked around, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you're going to be obese in heaven. That's not in the Bible, by the way. I don't, I just, some of you go, where's that verse? So what do we do? Here's what, here's what we do. You're a believer, you say, I, I know, I know Christ. There's no doubt in my heart, I know Christ. What are you going to do with what that, that treasure you have in an earthen vessel? What are you going to do with it? You're, you're, you're in charge of management of that earthen vessel. The spirit man is in charge of that. What will you do with that? Hopefully you'll reform and revive the world around you. That you'll never get discouraged because you say, well, what can I do? You can do a lot. You can do a lot. So if you're a believer, I would just ask you to recommit yourself right now to say, I just want to be a reformer and a revivalist for the kingdom of God. Amen? I want, I'm going to make a difference. And when you make that commitment, it's amazing what happens. It, it like seals something in your heart. So I will do that. And then if you're, if you're not sure if you're a Christian or you know you're not a Christian, you know, you can call upon his name right now and be saved. Amen? You can just call upon his name. Say, Lord Jesus, I call upon your name. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were buried according to the scriptures and rose on the third day according to the scriptures. Save me, Lord Jesus. See, it's faith that gets you into the kingdom. Write my name in the book of life, Lord Jesus. Send your spirit to come in me. People say, well, can I, can I receive the Holy Spirit and not know it? Well, let me ask you this. Can you eat a pizza and not know it? 
I mean, I, I, I eat a pizza. I know I got a pizza in here. And it manifests. Can't get my ring on the next day. Well, if the pizza can do that to me, what did the Holy Spirit do? Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.